0: Welcome back to another episode of Canon Side Chats, your weekly Arsenal podcast where we discuss everything Arsenal Football Club, the Premier League in general, and football in general, really. OG squad, the original trio, the three Musketeers, we've got Beckett coming, and Sam all the way from the great state of Florida. So Beckett, how are you doing today?
1: I am fantastic. Great to be here, coming off three points, loving it. And Sam,
0: I hope you're not too sunburned to contribute to the podcast today. How is the beach treating you?
2: No, it's great. I mean, nothing nothing else I'd rather do than talk about Arsenal on, on holiday. And unfortunately, we got in at 4 a.m. this morning. It's been raining for a majority of the day. So um, not killing the spirits, though. I mean, we've got three points and a goal three weeks before we did last season. So can't complain, and I'm ready to get into it.
0: Well, I hope you are killing the spirits, as in whiskey and vodka and all of that.
2: On oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely kill, killing the spirits in that sense. Well, good.
0: Anyway, well, we might as well get straight into it. Uh, pretty exciting opening week of fixtures. Um, luckily, we came away on top and were in fourth place. So let's bask in that for a little while. You know, top four. How's it feel, guys?
1: Right where we want to be. Well, we want to be higher, but top four is where we want to be. Yeah, exactly.
2: That's where we're going to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, and we have to take a moment to give our condolences and maybe chuck a little bit at their fate in Manchester United. Uh, Fall into Brighton. That's, uh, well, it's quite frankly hilarious after they've shit on us for a few weeks for not getting Lissandra Martinez and – tin hog ball and all this and it's the same old man you did you guys watch that game for chance
1: yeah man you fans love to talk man they just love to chirp so uh you gotta tune them out because you know they're just gonna come in and shit the bed with their lackluster squad and uh, i love it i love to see it and i'm waiting to see ivan tony absolutely dunk on Sandra Martinez this week. Sam, how about you? Yeah, I
2: mean, I love seeing Man United lose first and foremost, honestly. And I, I think if they can't get the win at home versus Brighton, I think they, they're looking forward to some more trouble um, with Brentford this this upcoming week. So, um, hopefully, the struggles continue. Um, hate to say it, but hopefully they do.
0: Yeah, I think that's Brighton's first win ever at Old Trafford, which is. Awesome, good for them
1: scenes, absolute limbs. Um, so, yeah, up the seagulls, that was awesome. Losing their left back two days before the game started, too. And uh, and I saw a video today of Harry Maguire didn't know which side of the tunnel that they were supposed to stand on. And David De Gea had to be like, Yo, dude, we gotta be over there. And told them like three times before they switch sides. So, I just love it when that club is in shambles.
2: Did you, uh, did you guys see the meme, though? Because obviously, Lissandro Martinez is rather short to be a center half. But you know how in the pregame, they have like a list of the back four, and then it's all them standing there in order. And then they just had Lissandro Martinez's head. I just thought that was hilarious to uh, emphasize that he's a midget for a center back.
1: Yeah, I lapped that up, too. Which I I really can appreciate all the jokes going towards him because I myself am a short person. So uh, it just gives me great gratitude to see him get languished for that as well.
2: Yeah. Has nothing to do with us, like, potentially signing him this offseason or anything like that because, you know, that just couldn't be it.
0: No. All right. Enough of the pitter patter. But before we get into the Arsenal matters, I want to give a shout out to us for The first potential parlay, absolutely a locks hitting immediately. So that's good. Great to start one for one,
1: just like Arsenal. Yeah, shout out to Brady, too, for bringing those to the the pod. Great energy he brought last week, and you love the bets that he put out there for us.
2: right? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to like Arsenal, but obviously you like money. So sell the parlays, get rich. Uh, I mean, that's all there is to it. We prefer you like both. Yes. Thank
0: you, Brady for coming on, visiting, contributing, and yes, helping us with the potential parlay. So hopefully there's more of that in the future. Um, anyway, also a few more bits and pieces. I want to give a shout out to Flo Balgan and Nuno Tavares for scoring respectively in their game against each other. Um, that's huge for Arsenal, obviously. Um, And Charlie Patino, I read that the Blackpool manager was really impressed with
1: his uh, opening appearance. So that's good to hear. Yeah. And he started today, too, um, where we are recording on Tuesday. And they had a Carabao Cup game, I think. And he started that. Yeah, I tried to watch it.
0: And ESPN Plus didn't have it. So I ended up watching QPR lose to Charlton and PKs. And the last but not least, goodbye and good luck to our own Lissandro Martinez and Lucas Torreira as he's completed his move to Galatasaray. I wonder if that's the club that he really wanted to go to, that he really loves as much as Boca. And where else was it, Fiorentina?
1: All those. Who places. knows, man. He was shopping himself around like a cheap whore. Anybody but Arsenal. Anyone but England, I think. Can't handle the rain.
0: But anyway, let's talk about the first game, at Palace. 2-0 clean sheet in the Ian Wright derby. Big performances from the new boys and Zinchenko and Jesus and not really new, but new to the first team in Saliba. So what would you guys think?
1: Um, I'm glad that we've had that same lineup play two games before. The first game of the season because there was really some uh, continuity within the group, and everybody's kind of getting used to each other. You're obviously going to have some errors early in the season, and some things are going to be quite ironed out. But uh, I think our ability to have a settled squad prepared two games before this really showed a little bit early on with how disjointed Crystal Palace's preseason was. And I, I think. It was, a, it was a good game for us to really show some of the things that we could potentially bring throughout the season. Yeah, we did start out extremely
0: well, almost a goal in the first, what was it, three minutes, four minutes? He just went on a tear, got a few megs, did a few people up, almost got that toe flick in, ball fell right to Martinelli, pushed it wide. Sam, how excited were you watching
2: that? Oh, I was pumped up. And then after the preseason we had, I obviously thought that, you know, we would kind of hit the ground running um, in the first game, but yeah, in the first three minutes, having a chance like that, where you like to think if that chance falls to Martinelli, he'd do a little bit better again, but um, just throughout the whole game, I thought we were, we are the better team. And, um, and in general, I think defensively, offensively, everything, I think the entire team played um, really well. So it's, it's going to be an exciting season. I think everything that we've seen up to this point kind of indicates that.
0: Yeah, well, if you thought he'd finish that one, you wouldn't have thought he finished his redemption goal. What, fifteen minutes later? Um, incredible ball from Saka, wide open, Zinchenko, training ground piece, uh, heads it right back across. Martinelli's perfect place. Terrible defending by Crystal Palace makes him pay what
1: what were you thinking about that goal great training ground set piece that, that works out you'd love to see it you uh they released the bench cam and you can see the uh, set piece coach uh, i can't remember his name right now but he immediately runs up to the sideline gives arteta a hug everybody's pumped about it but the thing uh is martinelli misses that first chance and maybe last year Year before you're thinking, okay, we've just squandered a huge chance, and you're wondering, are we gonna get another chance? And I did not have that thought at all, especially with how we started the game. I thought he definitely should have done better with that opportunity, but I knew I just knew we were gonna create more goals, scoring chances, and part of that is because of how good we've looked in preseason, and also because of whether or not Gabriel Jesus actually scores he is just his movement what he does dribbling in and out of people like you mentioned for that opportunity it gives you opportunities we haven't even created previously because that ball just squirts through to Martinelli and so I wasn't really worried about him getting another chance and certainly not worried about Martinelli's confidence going down at all because that he oozes confidence. He's gonna have a go whenever he can. So I'm really glad that he got another opportunity and buried it. Yeah, Sam, what do you think about those opening twenty minutes?
2: Yeah, uh, another great thing I think about um that first chance is that Jesus actually gets the steal before he makes that incredible run. Um, so it just shows that his defense I know it it led to another chance earlier when he passed it back to Odegaard later in the game, but I'll sure sure we'll get to that a little bit later. Um Well, I thought it was funny on that goal because Ben was being guarded by Zaha originally. And then he's the one that like flared off to the back post and headed it back in. And the first person's hands to go up whenever the goal is scored is Zaha, who's still just standing at the top of the box. So it's like, yeah, it was your guy. So, um, no, I loved it. I think it was a creative set piece. And, you know, I think it was a well-deserved goal up to that point.
0: Yeah, certainly. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there's another memorable moment, Hazen's moment, where he's chasing, I don't know if it's Gay or Nathaniel Klein, but he's chasing him. The ball's played in behind and he kind of faints one way, faints the other way, and just absolutely gets right by him and creates a wonderful chance that we'll talk about in the coming moments. So, but yeah, otherwise, I thought it was an extremely positive first half. Uh, it's always exciting. You knew we'd come out hot pressing because that's what we've been doing for a while um, and it's really good to see it accumulating into chances and to come away with a goal um, one downside of the first half I do see is Jaka gets a dumb yellow that could have been way worse than it ended up being way more costly I should say so
1: that's one little thing Probably
0: my only negative.
1: Well, I I, I kind of, I can understand that with Shocket, But when you look at it, I think he could have very easily gotten just they called it and not given him a foul. Because the way he was going through there, it definitely, he, I think he was anticipating getting more contact than what was given. So he was kind of like trying to shift his body. And I wouldn't say he's necessarily a graceful Dribbler and runner, <laughs> anyway. So, if he's trying to avoid contact, he's obviously going to fly a little bit. But yes, I, I, it was maybe a little more extravagant than it needed to be. But I think you could argue it didn't really deserve a diving. But I, I can understand if they're trying to knock that out of the game to give it any time they can. Just be consistent with it because you know it's going to happen other places. I don't want to start saying if it was Jaka on dives yeah <laughs> Sam, do
0: you mean thoughts
2: yeah i it was just uh it was just unnecessary in my mind from Jaka, and then kind of post like the huge flop, it's like that's the last person you want on a yellow, just in general, um an arsenal, so yeah, and it's not like he's making anything out of that, um like on the ball anyway, so yeah, um. I don't know. Could have definitely done without that. Would have made it a lot easier first half.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Though to his credit, he doesn't ask for a foul. So it's, I can see where you're coming from, but it just is a bit too theatrical. And I I feel like refs are going to book that every, all day.
1: Yeah, I agree. I know Uh, my approach with Shaka this season is he has a clean slate. So, uh, if he if uh, he gets a yellow card, he I will give him the benefit of the doubt to show his maturity to see that through until he doesn't. So until he makes the throat grabbing red card or cleat to the chest on Jota red card, uh, he he's kind of transformed for me a little bit, and I'm gonna reset my opinion because he's been pretty good for us recently. Yeah, and I'm
0: not trying to take anything away from that. I just Yeah. That's just to have to play another half on a yellow when you we don't really have a direct replacement is, Yeah. Uh, it just made I, me a bit nervous. I'll say that. I agree.
2: If you told me Jacques first yellow was gonna be on a flop or a studs up challenge, I definitely would have taken the studs up challenge. So um Yeah, I don't know. It it's just a horrible flop. He shouldn't never quit being soccer or try to take up acting.
0: I'm willing to give Jaka a clean slate as well. Completely clean. That being said, I can't believe that I didn't bet on Jaka being booked in the game. <laughs> That's just a lock. That was just going to
1: be a lock. You'll be investigated for uh <laughs> yeah. betting of uh irregularities. Yeah. No kidding. But I, I also to, I mean which is part of why you would get a little nervous with him being on a yellow is our ability that we showed a lot of in the first half was our press and playing within their half. And Shaka plays a big role in that press where he is either sometimes he might be stepping in and Martinelli slides into his spot and he's putting pressure on the, a point guy with the ball or a center back or something, or just, positionally where he needs to be needs to do a tactical foul maybe sometimes so it does give you a little worry i can see that with him being on a yellow card um because it it is kind of a necessity to be able to give a yellow card if you need to within our press And, and we dominated that first half because we only played in their half mostly because of our press our midfield actually on the ball you could argue that was one of our weaker halves between Jaka Odegaard and Party on the ball. But the way that the group as a whole on the front six pressed and kept it in their half, and we got all sorts of opportunities just from it squirting out and a couple combinations here and there. So I do understand being worried anytime anyone vital to our press gets a yellow card.
2: That was was a big takeaway for me for the entire game was um, it's one thing to know that Martinelli, Odegaard, Jesus are all great on the press, but seeing it all in action in in the first Premier League match was just, I think it was something special and see that, you know, Palace did not look comfortable. They never had a time to sit and think on the ball during that first half. So I just think making – having the press that make the team that uncomfortable is just so beneficial for your offense as well. Yeah. I think there
0: were probably three players on Palace that felt comfortable. Uh, Zaha, obviously. Eze, obviously as well. And Joachim Anderson, incredible game uh, distributing the ball. I mean, I can't believe we weren't looking at him back when he was getting signed from Fulham. So.
1: I'm surprised okay. Chelsea hasn't been looking at him yeah. knowing they need a center back. His distribution's great. And I wouldn't say Zaha looked comfortable because I thought Ben White did well covering him, but I understand like he was within his game still, which I wouldn't yeah. say he's also uncomfortable. And Yoki Manderson was just distributing balls perfectly into that channel for him. So,
0: Well, yeah. Speaking of that, moving on to the second half, um, just the I think it comes from Ben Whites out on the left. Tries to touch around. Um, Klein wins it, plays the ball into Zaha. Zaha has plenty of time in the middle of the park to get on it, turn, pick out Eze, Ramsville makes an incredible save um, going pretty much horizontally in no time to avoid the nutmeg that Eze goes far. Um, really
1: big moment, huge for Aaron Ramsville and the clean sheet did what what I didn't I haven't rewatched that specific event but what happened right before that why were we so out of position because I don't know if it uh, if, right. I re- if I recall I think like Odegaard was back almost in the right yeah back Odegaard was right back. and was covering and which he's had he's been in that position last season a few times and it didn't end well for us he got gave up a pen maybe Manchester United. Um, yep. and Um which obviously that's not where you want him to be playing. But I, I just couldn't recall what had led to that situation. And, yes, it was an incredible save by Ramsdale. Yeah, I can't remember if it was off a corner or if
0: we were scrambling to recover on a counter and Ben White got drug over, it, but he was out on the left trying yeah. to progressively dribble
2: and right. got nicked. I, you're, yeah, I think we were scrambling, and the ball just sort of fell to Zaha wide open. Um and the entire team with just kind of interchangeability that we've been using this preseason um, left Odegaard out there and then Zaha picked him out beautifully. But yeah, great save by Ramsdale. Also right before the half, he made a, I mean, somewhat simple save, but you'd like to think Eduard nine times out of 10 does better than what he does on that, that open header um, right before the end of the half too. So yeah, I wanted to shout out Ramsdale for a couple of big saves that, kind of locked Dallas out of the game in a sense.
0: Yeah, and so after half, we're kind of on the back foot for a while. Another yellow, Ben White gets one for dragging Zaha down on a ball that gets played in behind, which is another one that I get, but Saliba's already retreating, full sprint running back. I don't know if it's absolutely necessary, but I can understand why you might get a little frightened when – He's got the leg on you. So, um, yeah, after that, there's not really much going. Then we make subs in the 83rd. KT and Eddie come on for Zinchenko and Jesus, and that really initiates the moment for that soccer goal. I think we have a pretty nice spell of possession. Um, Tierney gets up high. They go back to recycle it all the way back to Ramsdale. Um, Tierney stays high. Ramsdale picks him out. And, uh, yeah, knocks it down. Ball finds its way to Eddie, who plays soccer, and you know the rest off of Gay's shoulder head, <laughs> whatever that is.
1: Um. Yeah, I wanted to mention something about the second half, too, was not directly related to the goal, but... I've seen a lot of uh, reaction to how we really didn't play as well in the second half, which I think is somewhat understandable. What you have to remember is we came out blazing the first half, and that's because of the preparation we've had, and that's the style we want to play. First off, you can't press like that the whole game. That's It's not sustainable no matter what. I'd like to think that we could do better with it in the second half, but that's Mm -hmm. a work in progress. It'll get there. But also, Crystal Palace has players that are very good at what they do too, and a team is also going to adapt their style to what you're doing. Go into halftime. Patrick Vieira is going to tell them how to change their game to nullify some of the things we did. And I think they executed that pretty well it's it's not always going to work out for us that we're going to control the ball 70 percent of the time and dictate play their reaction is going to cause us to make a reaction and i think we were a little slow to make some of our tactical adjustments and adapt to what they were doing to nullify our offense um so i'm but it's a work in progress it's game one it's city has that problem sometimes they it takes them forever to break down a team so uh, i think the effort that they put in in the first half was a good stride there's things that obviously you can take away from in the second half that we need to work on and maybe to control the game a little better but first game of the season i have no problem with us getting a two a second goal, finding that a way to get that second goal in a game that we always knew was going to be hard, and when we get out with a 2-0 win, you have to appreciate some of the things we did to get there. Um, and also, I just wanted to mention, since you mentioned subs, by the time subs come on, I think subs might be an area still that Arteta needs to iron himself out with maybe reading the game when we might need to do them better. Uh, happy to be proven wrong if he shows me over the course of the season. But when you when you looked at the bench, did you? I, I was thinking about this immediately after the game. Did who would you feel comfortable from that bench that we had to bring on at one nil and and expect us to either see out the game or change the game positively? Yeah, that's a that's an actual question. So I. If for either of you looking at the bench, is there anyone that sticks? Obviously, Eddie is someone that would stick out, but can you define CEO well, like the game
0: positively? Positively, like, so are like, trying to attack or are you trying to defend? My
1: point is okay, it's one nil. You, you probably want to go, you probably want to get another goal, but is there anybody on the bench that you're thinking? I trust this player enough that if even if we don't get another goal, we're going to see this out. Like Samby comes on at some point. Um, and I'm thinking, is Samby a player at this point that we can trust to take Shaka off with a yellow card to see out a game? And I'm not sure the answer is yes, because it didn't happen. So, to your point, with the yellow card in the first half for Shaka's dive. You don't have that other player yet, and maybe that changes with Fiera, Smith-Rowe, Tommy coming back from injury, but there's a glaring hole when those guys aren't there because you can't trust someone like Sambi yet, or he doesn't have that trust to see out the game, even if it is 1-0. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to fall back into the
0: old arsenal of Aaron Ramsey, Jack Wilshere when we get up 2-0. And we keep trying to go for it or we're up one nil and we keep pushing numbers forward, trying to get that other goal. Um, so I think we need to find a, you know, like a nice middle ground where you're comfortable. I don't want to say comfortable because you never want to be comfortable, but you're not on edge, but you're also not over committing, reaching for that goal and opening yourself up to a draw when you're trying to pad your lead a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, So well, I don't think we can complain about anything at a, after a 2-0 dub like
1: that. No, no. And I, I didn't mean that as an inherent critique, but more of that's an opportunity where we certainly could look to continue to improve while the window's open if we're going to have players missing and you don't trust Sambi to step in into that role. And I'm not necessarily saying chase the game, get that second goal. Basically, come in and balance the game. Help us control it. If we get a second goal, that's fantastic. Less nerves. If we just see out a 1-0 win, 1-0 to the Arsenal is a song of lore. So I just don't think I had faith in any, really, our bench options to do that. Well, we got to remember, too, McCullough Teta
0: has spoken in press uh, press conferences about the possibility of both Vieira and ESR playing in that eight roll too. Yep. So with them coming back, be a little better. Um, I still do think we might need one midfielder. Um, so we'll talk about that too in a few. Yeah. But anything else you guys want to talk about of the game?
2: It's kind of what he said though. Like you look at the bench, and it's I don't I don't think you can say Arteta did anything wrong this game because. Obviously, the three subs were Tierney and Kedia Lakonga. But then after that, you've got Turner, Holding, Cedric, Elmini, Reese Nelson, and then Pepe. It's like all the players that we started, I'm not sure that we want to bring any of those players on that we didn't bring on. And obviously, the result shows that we still won 2-0. So, I mean, hopefully down the line, you have more players to utilize to make the most of the five subs. But um, I think he got this one uh, pretty hundred percent right.
0: Not only that, but we yeah. have to remember that Tierney and Eddie are both involved in Sokka's own yeah. goal. Yeah, well, gay own goal. Uh, both of them involved in the build-up pretty substantially. So, and it's yeah. right after being introduced. So.
1: Yeah, yeah I, and do I, I, saying, I do. Yeah, I don't necessarily mean it as a big critique. I I do think. His substitutions are an area of improvement, but I I agree. I don't I don't think we had the bench certainly for this game to really dive into your bench too much because I I really don't know what is the d what <laughs> what we're gonna do with Pepe, but that you're certainly not bringing him into a game where you're up one nil. Yeah, well, we mentioned even... it during the game around the sixty fifth minute. We looked at each other.
0: And said, we have anyone up and warming up or anything because we're yeah. kind of on the back foot. Maybe a sub would be you know, positive here, but yeah, looking back at the binge, it's like, ooh, who do you really want to take off? Is it going to actually improve the team? I yeah. don't know.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we got kind of lucky with this being the first game of the season and the injury problems we have that, you know, people are typically kind of fresh and pretty much all of your starting 11 can go the full 90. So um, I think if this happens, you know, towards the end of the year and everyone's kind of already worn down, you know, you might have to make a sub that you wouldn't make on match week one, but yeah, no, you can't complain.
0: Yeah. So moving on, I guess to game week two, uh, at home versus Leicester this Saturday at 9. AM for us. So I'm excited. Leicester looked like the old arsenal. Well, the hopefully old arsenal this weekend going up two nil and then conceding to Brentford as well on opening day. So come out with 1 point. Any changes to our lineup do you guys foresee? Hopefully someone from Leicester comes over here by then, right? Gary yeah. Tillman, for Jaka.
1: Yeah. I I I don't foresee any changes in our lineup. Even if he came in, I don't I don't think that would happen for this game and I I still don't think it will happen until maybe the last couple days of the window if it does happen. Yeah, I don't
0: think it will happen either, especially with Liverpool's interest peaking now that their injury crisis. Um, Yeah, I think they're a bit more desperate than we are at the moment. Liverpool can get fucked. I can agree with that too. Go Fulham? (laughs) Yeah. So I guess we already kind of touched on it, but I was going to ask if there's one thing you wanted to
1: see improve from game week one? Um, For me, it's maybe just showing a little bit more control in the second half. As I noted or said, they're going to make changes and change the tactics to try and nullify what you can bring. But I think that second half, even in that environment, Odegaard needs to get on the ball more, dictate play. Hopefully, hopefully, I saw everyone trained today, Vieira, ESR, they were both back in full training. Hopefully when you have someone like that to bring into the game, like Vieira, ESR, they can help you just retain the ball and maybe play in the opponent's half better than what we did. So that's, that's really what I would look forward to, but I, I will take a two nil win any day of the week, no matter how we got there. Um, especially when last season we started with a, defeat and three defeats in a row.
2: Sam? Yeah, kinda kinda what Beggett said. Um, you know, once you I hope first of all, I hope we start out with the same intensity, um, and kind of jump right on lesser to begin with. Um but just something for, you know, the sanctity of my heart and my entire body. I hope that once we if we do get out to a lead, I hope we do kind of secure it and then sort of assert dominance and possession in the game. Um but one thing I am a little weary of is you know with how high up we are we are playing and defending, you know, there's always that lingering thought of, you know, Jamie Vardy breaking down and crushing our hearts in the 89th or stoppage time. Um so I hope that we just have a solid enough lead um at that point to where we don't have to worry about those nightmares. Yeah, it was Vardy off the bench last
0: year, wasn't it? Crushing hearts. So, yeah, um, my three things pretty much have all been harped on already, but I don't want it to fade out of the game so much after that opening press. Um, I really think that we can do a bit better to just maintain the ball um, and kill the game out in possession as opposed to out of possession. Um, another one is I hope the bench is improved. I hope SR and VR are fit and able to participate in some manner and my final one which i've mentioned many a times on the podcast if we're going to get a yellow make sure the opposition feels it mm-hmm. or has a mark after the game so i'm tired of these i'm sick and tired of these descent yellows a flop yellow a counter attack stopping yellow where you're just a shirt pull i i want to see someone earn a yellow for once when was the last time i've seen that for arsenal I, I, I can't I can't call it. I'm not saying yeah. that that's, a, that's necessarily a good thing or bad thing, but you want to see someone fighting for the badge like that every once in a while.
1: Only yeah. a yellow, not a red. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I'll add one more thing. As this is a home game, I want that place absolutely popping. And I know it will be, but we don't get to be there firsthand. But... I I know that place is going to be electric and the, anyone who gets to go to the game is very fortunate and just enjoy it. It's going to be awesome.
2: Definitely. And I wanted to say part of my, my own, uh, no, no disrespect to, to Brady bets, but I think part of my potential parlay is going to include Arsenal money line. Um, I just think the Emirates is going to be a fortress this year. I think. I think between the improvements in the squad, how hyped up fans are going into this year, on top of just an, another regular season, I think I think we definitely take a lot of points at home this year, which is going to be a great sight to see. And I I definitely think we take all three from Leicester.
0: Good, we'll take all three all the time. I guess now on to everyone's favorite segment of the podcast, the th- segment everyone skips to when it's included, the weekly wanker where we discuss wankers of the week. So I know Beckett's got some he's excited to share. Um, we're going to make him wait the Sam, Do you want to go through your weekly wanker?
2: Yeah, I had a couple, I think. I think the second one I had might be mentioned by someone else. If not, I'll be sure to uh, bring it up. But my first one was Salasu passing the ball into his own side netting versus Tottenham. I mean, I've just never seen a worse clearance from anybody. It just It's one of those things that you're watching. And it's like, wow, if this guy's in the Premier League, i I could be starting in the Premier League. I mean, it's just a shitty cross. And he he tries to kick it with his left foot, which is his foot faced like opposite a goal, and it, it just goes straight into his own side netting. It's like you're watching it. And it's like this ha- this guy had to lag or something. It's a brilliant yeah, finish he, though.
0: It's almost like yeah. that uh, that Bergkamp turn that he did on Newcastle, but he flicks it into the side netting instead of spinning the defender. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, it's like just the wrong. It end. It, it just pains you to watch and. Yeah, I mean that's that's well deserving, and I mean giving anything to Spurs that they don't deserve, it's just yeah, you're you're an awful human.
1: Criminal. For that. It's criminal. Yeah. Beckett, how about you? Uh, my I have two. My first one is Barcelona. What the fuck is going on over there? They can't register players, and then I'm seeing interest that they have a a bid or are still interested in bernardo silva for around 80 million and it's like what is happening over there i i wish i understood the situation better i keep i read the articles the athletic put out about these financial levers and shit where they're selling future profits to get the cash now i kind of understand that but it's just I, I don't see the path for them to get all these players, register them, and then keep buying more. They didn't really need Rafinha. I understand that's a very good player and you want him, but if you're in financial distress, you don't just go spend $60 million here and there and there and there over and over again just to get yourself out. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. They'll probably be a much better team this year than they were last year. I would hope so, with how much they're spending. But it just does their financial means doesn't make sense. Not even to um, mention the Frankie De Jong
0: situation either, which I don't want to get into detail because I'm not too privy on it. But it sounds an awful like oh, oh my gosh, an awful lot like extortion to me. Like they're trying yeah. to leverage his future that they committed to as a club. And now are backtracking on and using it against him to make him reduce his wages when they're having this financial outlay. I don't I don't understand. And I don't understand how a player can want to go be a part of that. You know what I mean? Like all like Lewa, Rafinha, all these players going in are watching how Frankie Jong's being treated right now. And he still wants to be there. Like I don't get it.
1: Yeah, but I've seen messaging that the president, Laporta, whatever his name is, had, he's probably having different discussions with Frankie. It seems like the the problem with his contract stems from the guy who was there before him, previous president, and he's bringing into question that, and they're trying to nullify his current contract. It's a pain in the ass. Like I said, it's a it's a web, and no one even understands what's happening. All these Barcelona fans are out there claiming they understand what's happening. It's like in the know accounts that have no idea really what's happening in the room. They're just pushing the propaganda their club's putting out. Um, my second, yeah, my second weekly wanker is also my terrible Twitter take of the week. I'll just combine it because this was absolutely terrible. So I'm I'm scrolling through Twitter bad place to be to start but this this account posts this question since there's still time left in the transfer window we've kind of discussed it a little bit you have you can add one more signing to arsenal's starting 11 basically well it says start to this 11 in the graphic but really to the squad you can add one more signing he'll give you 45 million to do it who are you bringing in and you know it's, for the most part, it's all usual. So oh, Tillman's, um, some some dude who's going to cost way more than forty five, a winger, a forward, all that. I'm scrolling through wild card. I think we need a better second choice goalkeeper. After Leno departed, Kaler Navas would be a great choice and would push Ramsdale with competition. Can you source that? And I'm just sitting here. <laughs> Is his name on here is Gaming Akitar Style. I don't know. All right, everyone go talk shit. Yeah, the comment immediately below it was, and that's the worst answer on this thread. Oh. And then I joined in. Like, I just don't understand why these people do this. Like, you've seen Turner play maybe two halves in preseason. Maybe a little bit more than that. And you're judging a player completely off that. This guy goes on to say, is it really a bad take? I mean, we've had accomplished second-choice goalkeepers in the recent past, Matt Ryan and David Ospina. They worked out real well. Matt Ryan was released by Brighton. They weren't going to sign him, and we basically just took him as cover. And now he's not even in the Premier League anymore. David Ospina was a better shout because he he was starting goalkeeper for Columbia and he was a decent goalie. There's some question marks I have after watching him play about his ability, but to use those as your example and discredit Matt Turner, who just won MLS Goalie of the Year, who's been the starter for the U.S., and comes in and you judge him off a half or two of football, one mistake. It's it's just so short-sighted and a thing that we see over and over again from all these online fans. The same shit happened with Ramsdale last year, and we love to see Ramsdale in goal now. I love Ramsdale, and I'm so happy about it. So we just hate and shit all over these players before we even give them a chance. Are you sure this isn't a Chelsea or Man
0: United fan? Because... They don't seem to have the the ability to comprehend the concept of money, you know. Like we just dropped eight million on Matt Turner. Why would we ever go and sign another goalie that's not going to play? Or why would we just not play Matt Turner?
1: I responded. Well, I I responded a couple times, but my first the one of them was, dude, we just bought a second choice goalkeeper, and you want us to pay higher wages than what that guy commands to be the third choice goalkeeper. And then you have to worry about who you're registering for your squad. And you're just discarding players before you even see them play. It's just, this was a a whole thing. And this other guy who was commenting on it with me was right there. <laughs> like, dude, this is a terrible take. I don't know how you're defending this in any way. Yeah. So I, that's just, I just, I hate seeing these people just discard players that we sign because clearly the coaches see something that they want these players. The one player I'll I'll say that you could argue maybe they didn't really see something and it was a panic buy was Runnerson because we just needed someone. And he did make mistakes, but he's also not in the squad anymore. So this signing would be another Runnerson. Yeah, I agree. and you're not what do you, what is Kayler you think Kayler Navas is coming here to be a backup goalie, maybe third choice? What is, Matt, not, Matt, those, if, yeah, Matt Turner? Matt Turner's not going to be happy. You want to pay those wages? Yeah, and Matt Matt Turner's not going to be happy if you signed another goalie. It's just these people the the first ones to bitch about something and then whenever we sign a third goalie and all these players are pissed because they're not playing That'd be the first one. Why doesn't Arteta? What's his squad management? His managing t- tactics are terrible. He can't handle players. So yeah, because you bring in players to intentionally not play them. That doesn't make any sense. Sorry.
2: I think that's. I think Roman. that's the funniest part of the take, though, is that you expect us to sign Keeler Navas to come in and say, "Hey, Keeler Navas, why don't you come in and push Aaron Ramsdale?" He's just going to say, "Fuck off!" Immediately, if you ever
1: told even proposed that idea to him. How old is Kaler Navas? Pretty old. He's like thirty-eight.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Thirty-five, but if he, still, <laughs> if he comes in, he's either getting pissed that he's not playing, and it's detrimental to the locker room, or he's just collecting the stacks and he's content to just be at training. So, like, I yeah. don't, I don't think, I think that's a terrible take. Good call. Great content today, Beckett thanks man i appreciate that
2: tag that guy's twitter handle in the comments and let's, yeah. let's get after him
1: i, I called agree. him a clown and he then he said uh real mature for having a different opinion to me yeah dude you're a dick that hit, come on <laughs> dude, that's not even an opinion so you're not allowed ABC. to have an opinion if that's your opinion someone call abc you bully is, yeah yeah, I'm, I'm going to get reported, suspended, oh well.
2: Q, did you have one for us?
0: I do. I have two. Um They both revolve around Arsenal, but I watched, don't ask me why, I watched ESPN FC uh, review the Arsenal game, and my weekly wankers are Stevie Nichol and Frank LaBeouf. These fuckers get on ESPN FC and have the audacity to talk about how Crystal Palace had the upper hand for most of the game. They have a higher XG, more possession. I was like, did you guys watch the game or do you look at the stats? Or not even that. Did you just blaze over the stats? Because, like, you take a look at it. Sure, Palace had more possession. They also had over 100 more passes in their own half than Arsenal. Sure they had a higher or a higher xg. But that xg doesn't account for the Odegaard chance that was almost the same as Eze's, but he decided to try to pass instead of shoot. You know what I mean? Like that is not indicative whatsoever. I would might even say that Palace had an equal amount of time on top, I would say, of the game, but they were nowhere near as clinical as Arsenal were especially in the final third. So that's just a terrible take. Um, and it really shows why they work at DSPNFC and not at any European outlet whatsoever.
2: Yeah, amount of time probably I would agree with, but amount of time like threatening no, not the threatening, opponent's goal. Just... No, I know. I've, amount of time threatening threatening the opponent's goal, like it, it wasn't even close. Like, yeah. Arsenal dominated that game.
0: That's what I'm saying. They palace might have had more of the ball, but it was all around half field. So, yeah, that's just just terrible. ESPN FC, maybe the whole crew, all the whole cast, are my weekly anchors.
1: There you go. That and might be a I common
0: mean, theme this year.
2: <laughs> shout out, uh, not even shout out. It's the opposite of a shout out, but you're calling them out. Sterling and Yuri Mina, I just thought the whole the whole incident there was just suspect. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I saw it and then hopped on Twitter a couple hours later, and as expected, those pictures and videos were just everywhere. So I just want to say it was suspect. Um, yeah, that was bad. Get a room
0: you
1: too. <laughs> Rio Ferdinand posted a picture of him he has a similar uh was in a similar incident during his career and he he was laughing he said something along the lines like i know where i know how you feel just get used to all the memes that are gonna come your way
2: yeah and i mean that's the great side of twitter like i mean that's i mean it's comical obviously there's there's nothing actually suspect about it but when you look at the pictures and the videos, like, it's all funny to have a laugh about, but, yeah. All right, well, I think that about does it. Am I right? Yes, sir. I don't think I have anything else.
0: Well, you can catch us next week, then. Um, one little thing before we go. A shout-out to the side Chats Instagram, AFC underscore Bex on Twitter side Q on Instagram and Twitter. We will be posting our potential parlays on our social medias. Come closer to game week time. So make sure you come follow and check those out and make some quick money. We're one for one, 100%. What could go wrong? It's a lock.
2: Yeah, we literally do not lose. Haven't in yet. the Premier League 2022-2023 season.
0: But yeah, so come follow, check those out. If you're in a legal state, come make some money.
2: Yep. Gamble responsibly.
0: Yeah. Don't waste your beer money on on betting. Save save that. Dip into the child's college fund. Grab some of that. (laughs) Yikes. We'll be good. All right. Well, enough waffling around. We'll see you later. Peace. See ya. All right, peace.